Alright, what's up everybody? I want to thank you all for tuning in to the first episode of The Voice of Empowerment. I got a special guest with me here today, Shelly, so I'm going to let her go ahead and tell you all, or let her tell you a little bit about herself. Hey y'all, um, my name is Shelly. I am a recent graduate of the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. I just graduated this spring. Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and I graduated with a BS in business management. For sure, for sure. So, all right, we're going to jump right into it, Shelly. So, um, the the title for today is The Fight Against Racial Injustice and How You Can Be a Difference. Yes. So, we're going to go ahead and get started with the first question, which is, um, with everything that's been going on, you know, of course, with police brutality, with um, our president's response to, to the pandemic, uh, racism, how critical is it for us as young black people to get out and vote? And then also even at like the local election, you know, getting in, getting into the polls where we can uh, like influence who, who the police chief will be or, you know what I'm saying, who, Definitely. you know what I'm saying, who people, um, you know, just set up to where like are the DA or the police chief so that we can, we can ensure that even in our, in our cities that we're not seeing what's been taking place in America continue to happen. Definitely. Mm-mm. But actually you mentioned voter suppression. So that's a good segue into our next topic, which was how, how did we get to this point? You know, because police brutality, um, all, all the racism we're experiencing in the world, you know, saying this isn't the result of just of one specific thing. And it certainly didn't happen overnight. So what are some ways that you think, you know, what I'm saying that that causes to get to this point right now? Oh, no, just like the system. Yeah, just just the system as a whole. Different things that have been put in place to, to keep us down. Oh, um, all of these, you have to have a, a card. You can only vote in your district right. or mm-hmm. your region. You can only, um, you have to have an ID, a valid ID. You can't 
have gone to prison, just like all of those things, and then not being educated enough on the election in general on purpose so that we're just kind of like, oh, well, I don't even know what's going on, so I'm not going to vote in the first place. So just like the lack of education that's been given to us as well as just like the little trivial things that, yes, they affect everyone, but that's just a cover-up for for black just people. trying to get black people not to get mm-hmm. not to vote. Yeah, I don't know if you see it in Kentucky, um, but like just the voter suppression that's taking place in there. Um, it was it was some kind I forgot the name of it, but it's it's predominantly black, and they only had one polling location in right. the, in the whole area. So you know what I'm saying? It's it's black people standing outside the vote, and the line is you know what I'm saying miles long. And then not only that, but the the voting process is is taking forever. You know, right. I've seen people uh, reporting that it took them, you know, one, two, three hours just to place a vote. But meanwhile, in the in white communities, they're getting in and voting in five to ten minutes. You know what I'm saying? In and out. Exactly. So it's definitely it's definitely like little things put in place like that just to keep us down. And then also, you know, what I'm saying dating back all the way to like the war on drugs and mass incarceration that Richard Nixon started. <clears throat> Which, you know, what I'm saying he. Which he pretty much admitted that it was a war on black people, you know what I'm saying exactly. to to remove black men from the household, you know what I'm saying to to disrupt black communities. And then and also, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's crazy how people. Um, there's so much evidence as how as to how this is like so like to how this is come about, but people still deny it. People still act like it didn't happen. Um, when they like like you said he basically admitted to it so the fact that that even got people are just starting to say that that wasn't true mm-hmm. i mean you can obviously tell right yeah. and then also uh really what's the most recent thing i've seen which this really was i shouldn't have been surprised but i was which was there was an article released about lyft and uber charging like higher fees um um, for des- for like driving destinations um, out of black neighborhoods. And think about too, I, I read that too, but also think about how certain certain like companies won't even go over there, mm-hmm. deliver over there. Mm-hmm. Like certain pizza place, um, certain pizza places. I'm in Memphis. Certain pizza places won't deliver in South Memphis. Won't deliver in North Memphis. You have to go and pick it up from a location that might be in Midtown, twenty minutes away, or something like that. Like they they won't even do it because they're scared to, or mm-hmm. you know, stuff right. like that. Right. I think when you start to look at you know what I'm saying how how deeply ingrained and how deeply rooted just racism is in our everyday lives. You know, excuse me. You know what I'm saying? It's it's really almost it's really crazy because it's sickening how they formulated all those things to be against us as a people. Like, why are you so? Why do we intimidate you all that much to where you have created this whole system that governs and runs our lives against a whole body of people that have built half of the things that you need and half of the things that you want? Mm-hmm, right. And then also, when you look at all the stuff that we just listed, um, you know what I'm saying, you start to get a, a a sliver of an idea how much of a head start that white people really had against black people. Like, um, I read a book the other day, and it was talking about how, um, like, whenever um, slavery ended, slave owners were paid for each slave that um, that was released. And 
per slave, this is the equivalent of today's money, but per slave, um, it totaled to $9,000 um, in today's money for each slave. So when you start to look at numbers like that, like I said, you really get to see how much of a head start white people really had with building generational wealth. All right, so we're going to go into our next question, which is, what are your opinions um, on whether we should defund or abolish the police? Ooh, so I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, there's such a big debate about it because not a lot, of, not enough people are educated on it in general mm -hmm. uh, about defunding the police. People think that that just means taking them completely out, and that's not... I don't think that that's what people mean. Some people do mean that, but that's not what some people mean. But mm -hmm. I also read this article where I was talking to someone, I can't even remember, where they said instead of defunding the police, they need to fund the police more. And they were saying that, um, you know, our police officers here in the United States, they go through like a year's worth of training mm -hmm. um, and that's really about it whereas other countries they go through I don't even think it's a year I think it's much less than that to be honest but other countries they go through like years of training right mm -hmm. and like training was not only like office work type things paperwork but also real world simulations and we don't really do any of that and other places you have to have a college degree to get um, to become a police officer, whereas you don't have to here. So people were saying that instead of defunding the police, they need to really give more money so that we can give them more resources and more training so that they are allowed, so that it's not so easy to become a police officer and you're really going through extensive background checks and extensive training in order to do this because it's such an important job. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like a toss-up for me because when I heard that, I was like, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. So, mm -hmm, for sure. See, with me, it's like at first I was like, I was like you, I was like, that's that's a that's like a toss up, like you said. But and then I was like, yeah, we should definitely defund the police. But then I started doing my research about it, and I don't I don't know if defunding the police and you know what I'm saying will will fix our issue because police, like the whole police system in America, evolved from slave patrol to help enforce right. white supremacy. You know what I mean? So whenever Something is built on, you know what I'm saying, something like that. I don't know if taking money away from them will necessarily fix the issue. I mean, yeah, we could put it in better areas, but in my opinion, I feel like we, we just need to erase the whole the whole thing and rebuild it the right way. You know? Mm -hmm. Not saying that we shouldn't have any type of pr protection, but I don't think the police will ever be able to, to really protect us when they were built to enforce white supremacy. Mm hmm but I do think that um, we could also place more tape. I do think we should defund them and place funds in other areas, you know what I'm saying, right. such as such as education and schools and things like that. Oh, yes. But, they really need to change the complete curriculum of schools. Mm -hmm. and I, if you ask me, like there should be a whole, in history, like the complete history curriculum needs to be wiped out and redone in most, in just about every single state, mm -hmm. because it's ridiculous the amount of things that aren't being taught or the things that are being switched or flipped or just lied about. Mm -hmm. So I think they need to definitely take some money and 
completely redo textbooks, redo curriculum, redo curriculum trainings, and I also need to do more diversity and inclusion trainings for a lot of these teachers, especially in colleges, because just because you teach a class on African American literature or you teach a class on the peoples of Africa does not mean that you are like properly educating students that don't look like the people who you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's funny you said that because I've honestly learned more on Twitter than I than I did in in like public schools about you know saying African American culture, Black culture. Which that that should never be the case, and then also just how whitewashed American culture really is. It's like, it's like every day I I learn something new that I didn't know about. So, no, I definitely agree with you. Yes. Mm-mm. All right. So the next topic we have for today is um, I want to discuss the role of non-black people and how they can help for those that that do want to be allies and that do want to help progress the fight. first step is education mm-hmm. um, educating yourself on one the history of how we got here um, but also educating yourself on the current things that are going on and really educating yourself on how you can help because um, yes it's good to be an ally but sometimes it's very exhausting to always have to catch people up to your Mm -hmm. feelings and to your emotions. And um, so I I think that it's most important to, like, do your own research. And I don't want to say catch up, but essentially catch up. Yeah, yeah, right. Because we're fighting for ourselves. Like, we shouldn't have to take the time to educate you. So I think mm-hmm. it comes from that, but also just like making sure that your voice is being heard, not because you're scared that if it's not that something will happen to you, but because you truly want it to be heard and that you're doing it for the right reasons and not just because um, you don't want to be on the wrong side. Or I feel like sometimes a lot of these businesses are doing things because they don't want people to stop supporting them, not exactly. because they truly believe in the movement. And so, um, like, taking a step back and and seeing what your true purpose is and how you can help. Because not every white person has to be out there or non-black person person has to be out there protesting or on the front lines. There are other things you can do to uh, to help. But everybody, I think, is just kind of thinking, oh, well, I have to do the exact same things that black people are doing. And in turn, it's kind of like, slap in our face because people are out here I was at a protest and there was a group of girls white girls and they flicked off the police now the whole time the leader of this protest was saying don't do anything to incite the police this is a peaceful protest we are not here to do that and they're flicking off the police and getting mm-hmm. them rowdy and upset and I was like okay you know this is not even us yeah and then it, but it comes back on us too that's the crazy thing exactly they blame us for literally everything they would if something were to happen they would have said oh the whole protest all these black people who are protesting you know mm-hmm. got into it with the police when we weren't even the ones who started because you were there and you felt like you had to overcompensate in order to show that you were on our side now here we are mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of that happened too like whenever um a lot of like rioting and stuff was taking place um like after the death of George Floyd, there were um you know saying people like 
like um, setting buildings on fire and burning police cars and stuff. And a lot of those, like a, a lot of that destruction, with either one happening by police themselves, or two happening from people that weren't truly a part of like the protest or that didn't really have the right, the right, uh, I guess, like mindset behind it. They were just out there doing stuff. You know what I mean? But of course, it came back negatively on, on the Black Lives Matter movement. Exactly. But some advice that I would offer to non-black people that want to be allies, um, I would say, you know, amplify black voices whenever, whenever you can. You know, what I'm saying, use your privilege to to get your message across to to other non-black people. And then also, like you said, being listen, listening and being able to be humble. So, you know what I'm saying? If somebody, because uh, you're going to make mistakes. So, as somebody who makes a mistake, you have to, you know, say, accept that, take the criticism, and grow from it. Exactly. That was perfect. All right. So, then uh, the next thing I want to talk about, which is a good transition, actually, is what can we as black people do to continue to progress the fight in the right direction? First and foremost is also to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are just out here fighting because they feel like they're supposed to. They feel like they're black, so I'm supposed to be out here protesting, supposed to be out here looting, rioting, posting all this stuff. But it's like you're posting this stuff because you don't want people to invalidate your blackness, mm. not necessarily because you truly mm. agree. Or not even agree, but because you truly are here for the fight. So educating yourself as to why one you're doing this in the first place and i promise once you educate yourself that will spark your drive and your motivation to be as involved as you can Mm -hmm. also learning that you don't have to do everything everybody else does Mm -hmm. like just because you don't want to get out there and protest that's okay you can sign petitions you can donate money to the to the different causes that are helping to get lawyers and helping to helping the families, you can do that. You can, you know, do posts or mm-hmm. you can make signs. You can buy people the water who are protesting. You can like do all of those things. Like every, it's counterproductive if all, every single black person is doing the exact same thing. Right. So just finding where you fit in, and then also too not giving up. Like people. They get, and we always get on this huge wave, and it lasts for a week, maybe two, maybe three, and then it kind of dies down once Issa Mong starts tripping with her book, or <laughs> it dies down once um, Meg Thee Stallion releases a new song, or the City Girls come out with a new album, then everything dies down, and so... This is this issue isn't dying down at all. Right. So why are we like we changed so much in these past two or three weeks? Imagine if we stay focused and we stay on task for a month, for two months, three months, what we could accomplish. So like starting the fight, finding where you fit in, but also like keeping it going until we see major things being changed because over the past couple of weeks, of course, all these businesses are implementing these new procedures. Of course, all these people are changing all these rules and people are getting indicted and convicted. Of course, they are. We were a force to be reckoned with. But as soon as some more stuff happened and people started dying down, you don't see that as much. So just like continuing it and keeping it going. And man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not letting up for sure. Yes. Now, that is a great point because I, I, like you said, I feel like a lot of times we, we lose focus because you know what I'm saying? 
it's going to be days where I, you don't feel like getting out and protesting or you don't feel like getting out and, you know what I'm saying, doing your part. But like you said, it's it's really important to to stick to the fight, even when you don't really feel like it. You know, you, of course, we rest and take our breaks, but we, we can't give up. Right. Okay, so um, this is more of a local topic that I want to talk about. This actually just kind of hot, just came out. Um, so police brutality in Chattanooga. Um, I'm sure you've seen the video um, of the body cam footage released of Reginald Arrington. Who was um after he was detained by police? Well, actually, let me give like the backstory of that. So, a white woman called the police on him, um because D said he was just looking suspicious. So you know what I'm saying the police pull up, and he pretty much told them that um you know what I'm saying he was from out of town and his car had broke down, so he was just trying to figure out how to get out the neighborhood. So you know what I'm saying one thing led to another, and he ends up in handcuffs. And the police are, it's, I think four or five police officers are beating him while he's in handcuffs. And, you know what I'm saying, before the body cam footage was released, the police had claimed and actually lied that they didn't beat him in handcuffs. And now this body cam footage has come out and, um, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's really sparked a lot of conversation in, in Chattanooga about police brutality. either because i feel like they paint a really good picture of yes. they're really good at painting a picture that you know what i'm saying we're we're on the up and come up you know diversity and inclusion you know all that other bs that everybody else has been saying but clearly is that's not fully the case yeah and, and not even with just like police brutality and racism but also like you know misconduct with a lot of their officers mm-hmm and, citizens and stuff so I mean when I heard that I, I don't want to say I wasn't surprised but I wasn't as taken aback as I would have been for other places because I've just heard so much about Chattanooga mm-hmm. for sure and then there was also um, an incident of racial profiling that took place on UTC's campus not too long ago um, you know, so I ain't going to provide too much uh, like about like the details of the person's name or anything but pretty much, um, a young lady was pulled over by police um, for supposedly running a red light, which, with the way that, with the way I interpreted the story, it was impossible. But um, yeah, we're running a red light, and then um, you know, what I'm saying six police officers swarmed her and surrounded her. You know, what I'm saying, but luckily she had um, her lawyer with her who was who was watching everything. 
but that's currently under investigation by the university. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Me too. I remember, I know that on UTC's campus, every single time there's like, especially a black person gets pulled over, they always have to have so many officers come mm-hmm. on scene. I remember driving by McKenzie one time and I saw my friend get pulled over and there were four police cars behind them. And he was out there with them for an hour because it was like a group of us that started to form around to see, to make sure everything was okay. Mm-hmm. I said, what happened? Like, you know, what was wrong? He said, oh, I just had an expired handicap tag. See, what? it's... Right, you need you need the whole police squad to pull up over that? Exactly. Like, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then also, I know recently, I think this was actually yesterday too, but... um. Uh, on around like the uh, Bessie Smith Cultural Center, they've been put. They painted um, Black Lives Matter on the street. So what do you think about that? Because in my opinion, I don't know. I feel like that's not what. That's not really what we asking for. Or what we trying to see. You know what I'm saying? That's cool, but you know what I'm saying. Like there's streets in every every city in America called MLK, and that you know what I'm saying. What has that done for us? Oh, the history of MLK. I just love how every single city that MLK is a street on is like so run down and so mm. dilapidated mm-hmm. and there's like conspiracy behind all of that so I get it it's beautiful um, yeah. to see that they're acknowledging that but it's kind of like let's make sure that we're also doing other things to keep black faces in Chattanooga in general because mm-hmm. I know that that's actually a big issue in Chattanooga that people are working on is trying to keep young millennials, young black millennials in the city. And they're trying to figure out why we're not wanting to stay, why we don't feel welcome, why we're not here after school. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I never even think about how that could be a conspiracy theory like that because every MLK street that I've seen is exactly what you said. You know what I'm saying? Run down and, and unkept. Yes downtown somewhere just not kept up it's just terrible mm-hmm. it's terrible for sure for sure well right, that was the last topic we had is there anything else you want to add for us Shelly before I let you sign off of here I just want everybody to be conscious to be aware to keep educating themselves to keep in the fight and just make just I want people to understand that like it's okay to to be overwhelmed by everything that's going on, even though it didn't directly happen to our family or our family members. Mm-hmm. We're still all connected, and so we still want justice for each other because it could be us, it could be our family member. So just remember to be educated, but also take days away from social media, away to get yourself together, to get your mind together through these times with the pandemic and with all this going on with the increased you know, justice for black lives. So. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Cause you said, like you said, it's okay to be, to be tired. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be nervous. You know what I'm saying? So just make sure everybody's out there taking care of themselves. Yes. <laughs> but all right, Shell, I appreciate you coming on and talking with us, sharing your opinions with us. Um, I appreciate everybody that came in and supported the first episode of the voice of empowerment. So I'll see y'all next time. Y'all stay empowered. <laughs>